Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Can you imagine how cool it would be to get to spend a half hour with Barnabas? What a great disciple he was. What do you think he would tell us if he was able to teach us for just 30 minutes? What great lessons he learned and what great things his life demonstrated. Well, sit back and pull out your Bibles and let's take some time to look at the great lessons that Barnabas teaches us. The Bible in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24 described him as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He was a great minister, a great servant, a great encourager. In fact, what we find out in Acts chapter 4 is that the name he was given meant son of encouragement. Of course, I'm referring to Barnabas, one of the great saints of the New Testament. Can you imagine what it would be like to get to spend just half an hour with Barnabas? What kind of things would Barnabas tell us? If he came back and we were just able to sit there in the room with him and drink in his knowledge and his wisdom based on what he had learned, I think there are some things that he would share with us, some lessons that Barnabas teaches us. And I just want us to take 20 to 30 minutes listening to Barnabas and what his life teaches us. The very first thing I believe Barnabas would teach us is that your brethren are more important than your possessions. Look in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 and 37... Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, the Scripture reads, Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. How is it that a man is able to become a child of God and then turn around and just give up one of his most important financial investments, one of his best investments for his retirement and his future for income. Just sell that off and take the money and bring it and lay it at the apostles' feet. He was able to do that because he was a man who loved. He was a man who served. He was a man who had the proper perspective about things versus people. And he recognized that his brethren, brethren were more important than his stuff. He remembered the teaching of the Lord in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, you'll remember that Jesus there said, Beware, in Luke 12 and verse 15, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Barnabas was able to recognize that his life did not consist of his possessions. And therefore he was able to give up those possessions when needed. He had certainly internalized the lesson that Paul taught in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul said, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Barnabas understood this. I don't know how wealthy Barnabas was. I don't know how big this land was. I don't know how much land he owned. But he clearly understood the concept of the perspective of money 
material things and its value in relation to the value of his brethren who were there, who were in need. And Barnabas teaches us and would teach us your brethren are more important than your possessions. Number two, the second thing that Barnabas would teach us is don't get upset if you don't get picked. By the time we get to Acts chapter 6, we've already been introduced to Barnabas. We've been told uh, what a great servant he is. Here he's a person who has sacrificed for his brethren. I mean, this is a minister. This is a servant who's willing to put others first, who's willing to go out and provide for the needs of the others. It's Acts chapter 6. What an interesting passage. We've got Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. At this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. My question is, where's Barnabas? Acts chapter 11 and verse 24 will say the same thing about Barnabas that it says here about Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. He was a good man. He had a good reputation. He was a qualified man. Why wasn't he picked? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. But I do know this. Barnabas didn't let it upset him. Barnabas didn't leave the church over it. Barnabas was still there. And later, when other work was needed, work for which the congregation and the apostles believed Barnabas was well suited, he was picked. In Acts chapter 11, when the Jerusalem church heard about the gospel coming to Antioch of Syria, and the gospel being spread there, and Christians being found there, and the church being formed there, they picked Barnabas and they sent him on. But how many people today get upset when there's something going on, and they feel like, I'm qualified, I want to do that, I should get to do that, and they don't get picked? Oh, I've been in congregations where folks got upset because they didn't get to lead singing or they didn't get to lead the prayers often enough. I've been in congregations where folks left because they tried to select elders and their name wasn't even put forth. I'm trying to find deacons and they weren't selected. Or we need Bible class teachers and they weren't picked. Or the elders are going to do a leadership class and they weren't asked to be involved. And they get all upset and they get up in a huff and they leave and go off someplace else. Or they badmouth the elders or whoever's involved. All those kind of things taking place. But here's Barnabas. In Acts chapter 6, they need some men, some servants, who are willing to put others first. I mean, that's Barnabas. He's a son of encouragement. And yet they didn't pick him. And I believe that if Barnabas was here, he would tell us, don't get mad when you don't get picked. Just do what you can do. Do your duty. And if at some point you are picked to accomplish something, then give it your best. Do your all. But don't get upset just because you weren't the one picked for every job that you might be qualified for or for every task that comes along. They needed seven men. And Barnabas just wasn't one of the ones they chose. 
and He would teach us. Don't get upset. Do your job. Number three, Barnabas would tell us, go where you're needed. As we pointed out just a moment ago here, there was this need, but they had men to fulfill it, and, and they didn't get the Barnabas' name on the list. But in Acts chapter 11, in Acts chapter 11, after the persecution that arose at the stoning of Stephen, the church at Jerusalem is scattered. Disciples are going everywhere. And some of them come to Antioch. And the text tells us in Acts chapter 11 and verse 19, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Here was a job for Barnabas. And he would say, go where you're needed. He was needed in Antioch, hundreds of miles away. Brethren, this wasn't a week-long gospel meeting. This wasn't a head over for the weekend and give him some port and preach him a lesson and tell him about all that's going on in Jerusalem. This was a life change for Barnabas. If we read the text, we find out that he then went and got Saul and brought him back and they were there together for, for a year. And then they had to go on a journey to Jerusalem to bring support and aid to them and then back to Antioch. And then they went off on a missionary journey in Acts chapter 13. And... Let's just read that. Acts chapter 13. Now there were at Antioch in Acts 13.1 in the church that was there prophets and teachers Barnabas and Simeon who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean who had been brought up with, the, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away. The Holy Spirit said, Barnabas, you're needed for this job. I want you and Saul to, to leave Antioch and hit the road. We're talking major sacrifice. But what did Barnabas do? Barnabas had an attitude. I'm going to go where I'm needed. I'm going to do whatever God needs of me, wherever He needs it. And just think about this. I want you to notice. Barnabas didn't go to Antioch because he'd get to lead the public prayer more often than at some other congregation. And it wasn't about how often he might get to lead singing. It was about the serious work of the Lord, about teaching brethren and encouraging brethren and praising God with brethren. And when he saw where he could be used and needed, that's what he did. It wasn't about putting himself forward. It wasn't about getting in front of congregations. It was about serving the Lord and going wherever He was needed. And I believe He would tell us if he had just a few minutes, go where you're needed. I believe he would tell us that we need to empower others. When Barnabas had come to Antioch, he saw all that was going on there. He praised God. He worked with the brethren. But very interestingly, there in Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11 and verse 25, he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. 
And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And after an entire year, they met with the church, excuse me, and for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. For Barnabas, this wasn't about personal glory. This wasn't about showing everybody else all that he could do. Here he was in Antioch and he realized, I know what we really need here in Antioch. We need Saul. And so he went and got him. And what an amazing thing that was, because we can see in the biblical record that as Barnabas, this great man of God, goes and brings Saul to Antioch, and from this point onward, Saul is going to take the lead role. And he's going to overshadow Barnabas. To the extent that as they go traveling on their journeys, Saul is the one that's really going to be the front man. You know that passage where they thought that, that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Mercury? That wasn't because Barnabas was taking a lead role. That's because Saul was. Paul was. Because you see, Zeus was often expected to remain quietly while his messenger took the lead role while Mercury jumped out in front and would talk a lot. Barnabas was, Paul was going to be taking the lead role here. Barnabas empowered him, strengthened him, and let him shine. Instead of having to put down everybody around him and keep them down so that he could stand up and be glorified and honored, Barnabas was able to put Saul forth, who became the Apostle Paul. And you consider their past. It was Barnabas, remember, who in Acts chapter 9, Saul's been converted. He comes from Damascus to Jerusalem. He's trying to join himself to the church there, but they wouldn't have it. Remember in verse 26 of Acts chapter 9, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was a man who was willing to put his neck on the line he was willing to stand up and say, I'm going to recommend this guy. I believe him. I trust him. Let's give him a shot. And of course, it paid off in this case. As Saul became one of the greatest teachers in the church, propagating the gospel, empower others, strengthen them, give them a chance. Let them have the limelight for a while, Barnabas would say. And going along with that, Barnabas, if he was able to sit down with us, would tell us, and you've got, while you're doing this, while you're empowering others, while you're giving them the shot, you've got to be patient with them. In Acts chapter 13, when Barnabas and Saul were set apart by the Holy Spirit and said, I need you to go on this missionary journey, and I need you to go out and start teaching the gospel. Acts chapter 13, and verse 5 says, when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. That's John Mark. And in verse 13 of the same chapter, it says, Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem. We don't really know why John Mark left. We do know that it didn't set well with Paul. Because in Acts 15, after Paul and Barnabas returned from the council in Jerusalem, Paul says to Barnabas in Acts 15 and verse 36, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. 
But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Here Barnabas again, striving to empower others to bring them along and help them grow in the Lord to accomplish all that they can accomplish. Putting his neck on the line for somebody. This somebody happened to be his cousin. But he was willing to be patient with him. Paul was saying, "I'm not. no, we can't handle that. We can't take him. He's going to desert us again. I, I don't want him to come along. But Barnabas said, let's be patient. Let's work with him. Let's keep him along. Let's help him. Such a disagreement that Barnabas and Paul parted ways and went with separate teams off in different directions to spread the gospel and strengthen the brethren. Once again, for Barnabas, his patience paid off. John Mark is the one who wrote the gospel of Mark. And Paul himself eventually recognized the usefulness of John Mark in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul wrote, Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Barnabas' patience took a fellow who at first was not cut out for the work and helped him, even to the point that a man who was against him came around and said, he's useful even to me. Perhaps it is that Paul didn't always remember his own lesson in patience. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 said, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and instruction. Teaching with patience. Or perhaps it is that he had learned this lesson from Barnabas and was passing on this lesson he had learned. Patience. Barnabas would tell us, be patient. Bring them along. Strengthen them. Help them grow as you empower them and put them forward and help make them useful in the kingdom of God. And finally, Barnabas would teach us, do what is right. Even when apostles aren't doing what is right. Everything wasn't roses for Barnabas. Barnabas didn't always do everything right. In fact, there's one occurrence in Galatians chapter 2 where we witness or read of a great mistake, a sin that Barnabas committed. Despite the fact that Barnabas had been one of the ones that came to Antioch first to strengthen and build up these new Gentile Christians, we find out in Galatians chapter 2 that at some point this great encourager, this great minister, instead of encouraging and ministering, acting, acted from prejudice. And I imagine he regretted it for the rest of his days. But Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, But when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even... Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? And the passage goes on. Even Barnabas was affected 
by the influence of this apostle who did wrong. But what would we have done? An apostle is there and is doing this. Would we have been influenced? Perhaps. I'll tell you the lesson that Barnabas learned from this, and one that I'm sure he would pass on to us if he had time to, to sit with us and talk with us, is you've got to do what is right. Even if an apostle is doing what is wrong. Men aren't our standard. Those who are around us are not the standard. God and His Word is the standard. And we've got to do what is right, no matter what anyone else is doing. If we're the last one on earth doing it, if only seven other people will get on the ark with us, we still have to do what is right no matter who's doing what is wrong. What a great teacher Barnabas is to us. These lessons that he offers. And I know y'all are all pleased with him because his 30 minutes only took 20. But what great lessons. As he teaches us how to be a minister and a servant to help others and strengthen others. To put others first for the cause of Christ and the glory of God. What a powerful saint Barnabas was and what a powerful role model and example he sets for us. May we learn these lessons that Barnabas teaches us and be a servant like Barnabas. Barnabas is certainly an example saint. Let's remember what we learned from him. First, our brethren are more important than our stuff. Second, we must not get upset when we're not picked. Third, we must go where we're needed. Fourth, we must empower others. Fifth, we must be patient with others. And sixth, we must do what is right, even when others do what is wrong. If someone gave this lesson to you, I'd like to invite you to visit our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons on a variety of topics. Feel free to download any lesson in audio or manuscript format. If you have any questions about having your sins forgiven, about serving God or the Franklin Church of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you bless God.